Chris, how you doing? I'm alive. That's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> uh, a week or two ago, uh, I wasn't sure about that. Yeah, well, that made two of us. <laughs> but you're here now. Um, glad for that. Uh, hey, welcome, everybody. This is the first episode of our third season for the Lodestone Training and Consulting Podcast. I'm Jared Ross. And I'm Chris Johnson. And we're glad that you're, you're with us today. It's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun working on this podcast, starting to, uh, you know, grow it and and everything all the feedback that we're getting it is pretty amazing when i I was just down um at lenko and i had an individual i was talking to it's like oh wait you're chris yes yes i am oh okay cool running to strangers that that have been you know turned on to this podcast and are getting the information that we're putting on i think that's very awesome i'm really enjoying this platform and our ability to share knowledge with all of you out there in the audience. And thank you for sharing it with your friends and family. Yeah. So we get this knowledge out there. Uh, one of our, well, Flynn. Flynn was uh, with a group of, of people, uh, fellow law enforcement officers. And uh, someone, he was just telling us the other day, someone was like, wait, I recognize your voice. Have we talked before? And he's like, well, I've been in this area before. Like, no, that's not it. And then he said, do you listen to podcasts? And then the individual's like, oh, you're Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he, he's been dimed out. So, cool. We're glad that you're listening. Uh, we wanted to start off this podcast, since it's the first one for the season, to uh, announce and congratulate uh, the winner for the, the competition that we ran. Uh, as you know, or, or maybe you don't know, uh, at the conclusion of each of the podcasts, we throw in a unique soundbite that has something to do, sometimes remotely, but sometimes you know, spot on with, uh, w- with the podcast. And whoever got it to us the quickest and also with the most, uh, most accurately, uh, they're going to win a, a free class. So I, I won't uh, use his full name, but Sid, he's, he's the winner. He got it to us uh, pretty quick, uh, but also his wasn't perfect. But he got uh, he got most of them correct. So what I wanted to do is I just wanted to quick run down for those of you who are curious uh, what those sound bites were. So for episode one, it was from the movie Spartan. Episode two, The Enforcer. Episode three, Pulp Fiction. Episode four, Shane. Episode five, and this is the one that most people had had a problem with that trying to figure that out. It actually comes from an Air Force training film from the 1950s. So, <laughs> so you really had to dig deep, deep for that one. Uh, Sid actually got, I think, the closest to guessing it, where he said, uh, let me see exactly what he put, emergency preparedness, uh, World War II public radio announcement. P- pretty close. But, yeah, that was from an Air Force training video from the 50s. Episode 6, uh, Full Metal Jacket. Episode 7, Heartbreak Ridge. Episode 8, Gladiator. Episode 9, Tropic Thunder. Episode 10, Aliens. And that was the Ladies of Lodestone uh, <laughs> episode. Uh, threw in the aliens there. Episode 11, Fight Club. 12, The Fellowship of the Rings. 13, Airplane. 14, uh, he correctly guessed it by saying, it's me, Jared, at agency training, that that is correct. That was a clip of me getting irritated <laughs> at guys screwing up, um, entering a room, doing uh, doing some CQB. Uh, episode fifteen, Heartbreak Ridge. 
16, Cast Away. 17, Army of Darkness. 18, The Godfather. 19, The Last Ship. Uh, 20, John Wick. And then uh, 21, Black Hawk Down. So, good job, Sid. We'll contact you, and you'll be getting a free class out of that. Nice. As you guys can see, we are quite the uh, fans of movies. That's There are many boring hours on deployments, and you watch just ridiculous, stupid shows. Yes. You know, we have the whole list of, oh, that's a deployment movie. You'd never watch it any other time. Exactly. exactly. But on a trip, oh, yeah, it's it's gold. I was just re- looking through my old computer, like, and under the, the movies I had stored to my computer, half of them, if not more than half of them, I wouldn't watch at all. But, yeah, they're, they're good deployment movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. So with this being our, our first episode coming out on uh, Monday the 5th, we thought we would talk a little bit about Independence Day as well as reviewing some of the things we've done this first half of the year. So for me, it's not really the 4th of July. It's it's Independence Day. And very, very special holiday to me where I sincerely stop and think and, and look back at all those who came before us and look at the lives and the sacrifice and the example uh, that those founding fathers laid uh, for us. It's it's a very uh, for me I, I take it very uh, seriously and it's it, it's a sacred holiday. Absolutely, the the significance that that holiday holds for my family, for myself, um, the celebration of our declaring liberty, our declaring our rights as individual human beings is so value and i think with a lot of things that has been commercialized and watered down with people trying to take the sacredness away from it and we have to be be wary of that danger uh, i currently as we're recording this i'm planning a uh, a small get together for close family and friends so that we can celebrate this together and it's that fine line of um commercialism and having a good time but not you know you can't take away from the sacredness of the day Mm -hmm. and it was my my 16 year old daughter you know like we said my most informed child she came to me she said i i think we need to like i don't know have like a poster or or something that that reminds everyone of the significance of this day and that's just, it, she hit the nail on the head. We all have to take that moment. And as you guys are listening to this, you know, just because the day has passed doesn't mean that, you know, you don't need to take that moment and reflect on the joys and the liberties that we have in this great nation and why we have this great nation because of those people that put forth the effort. And why do people want to come here? We put up on the website, if you go to the, uh, the briefing room, under articles, so we just put up a, a transcript of the Declaration of Independence. And if you haven't recently, go on there and, and read that and think about those words and the power and the truths, the correct principles that are taught there. Uh, just to quote, just part of the second paragraph, we hold, the, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, 
liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. There's so much power in those words, and so much is lost when people don't understand them and we're not teaching the power and the truths and those correct principles to, to the next generation. So when people aren't taught these truths, then they can be more easily be misled and go down the wrong path or, or different paths that, that lead to uh, destruction. For, you know, I'm being very political, very, very nice, very PC about it. Um, if you don't follow these correct principles, then nothing good uh, has ever come from it. You know, being a man of faith, I see the, the hand of the Lord in the creation of this nation. I see, as I read the Declaration of Independence, as I read through the Constitution, I see the inspiration that they had, that our founding fathers had for this country. How to secure our freedoms, give us an opportunity to grow um, and to change and to develop, um, but at the same time, preventing chaos and preventing the loss of liberty. So many people forget or just don't understand that we are a constitutional republic. We're not a democracy. And there's a substantial difference. In that constitutional republic, the rights of the individual are protected. But in a democracy, majority rules and those non-rights, those privileges, as a democracy would see things, can be stripped away just by majority rule vote. We are so blessed. Um, you know, along with that, again, to, to quote the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I wholeheartedly, completely agree with you that I can see the hand of God in the formation and the establishment of this, of this country. Uh, one, one of the biggest things now that are concerning people is, is race relations and in the past sins of, of slavery. And they try to claim that our government, the Declaration of Independence of the Constitution, was built by these, these white racists, where the document itself was written and designed to bring about the end of slavery, which had existed as an institution for you know, millennia. For millennia, exactly. Uh, Thomas Jefferson specifically put the word, or the words, pursuit of happiness in place of property because he didn't want it to be misunderstood, thinking, people erroneously thinking that this document was endorsing slavery, uh, which it certainly isn't. He truly believed, as you know, the goal, as we you know, are looking for, that we're, this country was designed to obtain, is uh, all men are created equal. And that includes women as well. We are all created equal, so we have the equal opportunity, or we should have the equal opportunity to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. I saw a, uh, a meme the other day. Yeah, one of my daughters shared it with me. It was a uh, one of those four square pictures, and it, you know, it has a little tiny compact car, a, an apartment um, with like two guys sitting at a plastic table, uh, a game console controller and like an unhappy guy right and it said uh european standard of living at age 25 and then the next little picture was a big huge pickup truck a nice size family home a uh 
a young man and a young woman together, and then a, a picture of the man working at a job. And uh, it's a standard 25-year-old American. And then underneath it, it said, as a European, this is how I view the difference. Uh, the contrast is real. We have every opportunity in this country to work for and to grow. And that is all it comes back to these things written, this pursuit of, of happiness. It's not a guarantee. It, it doesn't mean that you're going to have it. It means that you have the ability to go after it. Where in other societies where, oh, there's a guarantee. Well, that, what is that guarantee? That you have a plastic table? You know, oh yeah, your 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 needs that are deemed by the state are provided, but is that happiness? Mm -hmm. Do you have the ability to go out after it? I, I grew up in a, um, you know, my father left my mother when I was three. Uh, we lived in a, a one bedroom apartment. We grew up very very poor, and yet I've managed because of my work, not because someone else stepped in. I didn't have a, a government come in and, you know, pay for my school or anything like that. Because of my hard work, I have a nice, comfortable living. I have a good house. My family is taken care of. It's because of the work that I've put forth. Contrast with that, my younger brother, who is dead, depended on government handouts, always had that, oh, well, I grew up poor. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't have an opportunity to get an education and I always had the excuses and ended up, you know, not producing anything. He didn't have happiness. He didn't pursue it. No one could have made him happy, but we both had the opportunity to have happiness. I put forth the effort. I am a very happy man. Mm -hmm. um, he had a very sad life and it's, it's a tragic story. Nothing could have changed it other than him exercising his God-given rights to work and to make something of himself. But instead he chose to make excuses. Yeah. And we, we have to be careful. And, you know, as, as parents, as we're raising our children, you know, I, the, the old adage of, um, you know, hard, tim, hard times make hard men, hard men make good times, good times make weak men. I have to find that balance where I don't give my children everything I have to make them work for things so that they have appreciation. Of it. And I've seen it time and time again. You know, I'll give them a tablet for Christmas before their first birthday, you know, that, that next year's birthday, the tablet's crushed because, you know, they left it on the floor. It was, you know, it has no significance to them. But the items that I've made them work for, those things are cherished and precious and they still have them. Mm -hmm. And it's because they have that, they pursued the happiness. That's right. It's it's that pursuit. It's that journey. Um, that is gave it value. Yeah, gave it more value than any monetary thing. Absolutely. Man, I love this country. I I, I really love this country. I, it's hard not to get emotional about the the capacity that this country has. I've traveled the world. I've been to other countries. I've been to other first world countries that are supposedly, you know, wonderful. And I have seen misery here. I have absolutely, I've seen misery. I've been to California. You know, I, I've seen the homeless problem there mm -hmm. firsthand. 
no program is going to help those people if they don't want to help themselves, if they don't want to pursue it themselves. You could give them a million dollars. That's not going to do anything unless they have the will to do something with it. And there are. There are people that are that find themselves in that situation. And those are some amazing, inspiring stories where people have, you know, they've gotten into drugs. They've gotten in down that, that wrong path. And there is some intervention. And they realize, but the change has to come with them. And they pursue that happiness. And there are people that help them along the way. And that's one of the great things about this country. I have the freedom of using my, my money that I make. I can donate it where I want. No one tells me, well, for the most part, that my money has to go to this certain thing. But I can spend my money on those programs that I believe in yeah, and help those people that want to help themselves. You know, that's really everything. That, that's at the heart and soul of, of what our company is about and why we do what we do. Uh, that promotion of freedom, that promotion of, of liberty, uh, that spirit of liberty. That is, that is in everything that we do, trying to help and uplift and empower and giving people that experience so that they can, they can taste that and then they're better people because of it. And, and they do it with, on their, well, not, I'm not going to say on their own, but they have to want it. Yeah. You know, we can take a student and we can spend hours with that individual going over these different principles but if they have no desire other than to come out and you know make confetti out of paper and they never put the work into it themselves, they never pursue it, they're not going to be any better. We're there. We're, we're giving our souls trying to make them better. But we need that equal give yeah. back. And I, I can think of there's, there's one person that I have in mind right now that every time we share something with that individual – they go out and do it. And it is amazing. It is amazing to watch the change and see how much improvement. And it's not because I'm a great instructor. I'm, I'm a great instructor. It's because they're taking the things that we're talking about yeah. and they're applying it. Yep. And they're putting the work in themselves. And that's why they're better. That's why the, the next time they come to a class and they see that person they were in the last class with and they're like, wow, you've gotten so much better than last time. Yeah, because they put the work in. They pursued it. They went after it. Exactly. What's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Knowledge is knowing something. Wisdom is that knowledge applied. Yeah, yeah. doing it. Doing it. Doing yeah. it. Uh, well, last month, June, our book for book club was uh, James Nick Rowe, Colonel Rowe's uh, book, Five Years of Freedom. And both of us have a personal connection, being Green Berets, both of us being grads of, uh, of Camp Slappy or, or Sears School. So we both went through that experience, which is a very personal experience. Um, but as we were reviewing that book, I was really thinking and I was really struck about some of the uh, the principles of liberty and some of the things that were were in that book that he he uh, described. And for me, one of the uh, and I mentioned it during our, our book review, um, but one of the things that really stood out to me is. He was being bombarded with propaganda. Some stuff that was he's being bombarded with was truths um, of like actual events, such as all the, the, the anti-war protesters and and all the Americans who were, were hating their country and were hating on him. You know, all that propaganda was being fed to him, as well as all kinds of lies that were being fed to him about uh, 
about the Constitution, about our republic. Um, but the one thing that stood out to me is because he had been forearmed with truths, with correct principles, because he understood our former government, because he understood that uh, what true liberty was, he wasn't able to be uh, brainwashed where he saw and you know some examples of some other prisoners of war who you know succumbed to to that bombardment uh, when they were in the weakened state when they were in that malnourished state when they were sick when they were injured and because of those physical uh, uh, injuries because of those physical uh, suffering that they were they weren't as mentally strong so they 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 caved they gave in to those uh, to that propaganda where he was since he knew truth he was, even in that weakened state, he was able to remain strong and vigilant and, and knew truth from error and not be deceived. And I really, really, you know, I read the book before and then reading it again for, for last month for, for that book club. I, I was really struck by that. And it really hit home to me how important it is for us to know truth, for us to learn those correct principles so that we'll have a sure foundation to stand on. And how important it is for us to instill those values and those truths, those principles, to, to our children and to the next generation so that they won't be deceived. Because if, if you know that 2 plus 2 equals 4, anyone can say to you, 3 plus 2 equals 4, and you immediately know, nope, that's wrong. But if you're not taught that simple uh, arithmetic, if you can't add, anyone can deceive you. 3 plus 1 is 27. Oh, okay. I just saw it on YouTube and, and I saw it on, on Facebook and you just told me, so that must be true. Um, and it's that's a very simplistic example, but it is so true. Um, the more truth that we know, the more we understand history, the more we know um, the proper role of government, then it's that much harder for us to be deceived. Deceived, yes, absolutely. You know, um, it's such a powerful book. Uh, if you guys have not read Five Years to Freedom, it's not a good story. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you right now. No, it is not. Um, it is an unpleasant. I mean, you're talking about a man who is suffering for five years in a POW camp. Uh, the isolation and, and the suffering that he goes through. However, it is such a powerful story of human endurance and human strength and the, the human spirit that I highly encourage all of you to read it. Um, and Colonel Rowe is a true American hero in every sense of the word. One of the things that stood out to me this last time I read this was his desire to share liberty. He, he so easily could have, after this experience, come back and been like, hey, I have... I have been a prisoner of war. I'm going to get out of the army. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, he could have gone into politics. He could have gone on the lecture circuit. He could have done any number of things. But his value of liberty was so high that he stayed in. He continued to fight for this country, even after the experience that he had. Ultimately, it ended up costing him his life in the Philippines. He was assassinated. Why was he in the Philippines? to guarantee the liberty of the Philippine people. It wasn't to guarantee the liberty of, um, you know, the people of Texas, the, the state that he was from. It was to guarantee the people of 
people, of mankind. And, it, you know, Jared, you and I both have had this experience where I think of Iraq. I have Iraqis that I absolutely love. I feel like there is work that was left undone. That country was so close to tasting it was liberty. And I feel that there is, it, it's something that haunts me, that that job was left undone. And, um, you know, it's however you feel about uh, conflict or, or any of that, at the end of the day, all of us, just like it is said, we are all created equal by our creator. We are all given the, the same inalienable rights, whether those rights are recognized by uh, the government or not, or, or where we live, it doesn't change. Our creator gave us those rights. And so we have brothers and sisters that are living right now that don't have liberty, that don't have the, the rights that was given, given to them by their creator. And that's one of the reasons, and I've been asked, why do you do what you do? for liberty, to ensure it. Why do I continue to teach? To continue to maintain liberty. So when I grew up in, in uh, Southern Lancaster County, my family got to be very friendly uh, with uh, another family, an Amish family. Great people. And uh, we used to visit a lot, do some things together, and uh, just a very great family. Well, after 9-11 happened, and then I felt it was my moral obligation to to enlist i did so and the uh patriarch and matriarch of this very large family they just couldn't understand it they were i wouldn't say devastated but they they truly loved me and valued me and knew that i um in their words how could jared who loves god how could he go and do that they couldn't wrap their head around it um and then it wasn't until the nickel mines incident, for those of you who remember, where uh, a guy went into an Amish school, kicked all the boys out, barricaded um, him, chained the doors and everything, and then uh, he was preparing, I believed it, to molest all the, the, the girls who were in there. And then um, the police showed up, and he eventually you know, he t- took his own life, and, and you know, there's a, there's a horrible tragedy, and, and some of the, the girls were, were killed. And this horrible event took place in, in the Amish community that you know, impacted and affected all of them. And then, after that happened, they made it a point to come to my parents and say, we understand now. Now we know why Jared is out doing what he's doing to try to prevent anything like this from ever happening again to anybody. As long as there is evil in this world, there will be a requirement of righteous men to be able to do violence. Yep. And... My abilities that I have, I honestly believe, are God-given talents. It's not the things that I would seek out. I'm good at these things. I enjoy these things. But if I was given you know, absolute choice, I would be a photographer. And I'm an okay photographer. I'm not a great photographer. I'm not nearly as good of a photographer as I am a Green Beret. Um, I have these talents for a reason. And I have used these talents. I've been in situations where I was able to do good with violence. And sometimes that's a very hard thing for people to understand, that in order to preserve life, you have to take life. Yep. And it's, you know, if there is a cancer, the cancer must be removed. And it's not a, you know, oh, we're going to 
speak to the cancer. We're going to negotiate with the cancer. It's, no, this is an evil thing, and we're going to remove it to save the whole. Absolutely. And there well, has to be righteous people to do that. And that plays right into you know our, our light fighter concept, uh, this idea or the, this concept of the light fighter, both historically and then <clears throat> us now pushing forward, you know, the modern-day equivalent. That's how, that's what it, that's all about. That's what our, our, our training is about is helping to empower those individuals um, so they can be independent, they can be light, they can be fast, to uh, take care of, of those evils if and when. I mean, as you know, you're listening to this, you know, because I probably say it way too much, but it, it's personal. When evil came to my home, it was my wife. She was the one who had to protect the family with a firearm because um, I wasn't there. So it's all about that that empowerment, getting people trained up, and helping to prepare them for whatever, you know, come what may. You know, it, it's funny. I'm, I'm smiling right here because uh, we're redoing our bedroom, like rearranging furniture and, and uh-huh. stuff like that. I recently was sick, and I spent way too much time in bed thinking about things. <laughs> and um, so... Now, for, for those of you listening, Chris was so sick that when I came to visit him, I couldn't make fun of him because I felt bad. <laughs> So he must have been on death's door. So, so that just shows how bad I was. Um, anyways, so as we're, I'm putting up a, a, a new shelf and arranging things, uh, I look over and, and I can't see Pam. She's like falling down on her side of the bed. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm practicing. Because if you're not here, I will just roll off the bed and I have my guns right here ready to go. <laughs> I never had the thought, you know, I mean, I have my stuff prepared and I have everything laid out. Um, this was completely on her own. I, I'm, I'm really, really quite pleased. You know, she's had those thoughts that, you know, Chris isn't always here. And if he isn't, I need to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's really, it's awesome. Our, our children are the same way. You know, mom and dad go out to dinner. Something happens. Do I know what to do? And they have their own SOP that they developed on their own. And then they came and briefed me on it, and we had some discussions, and we changed a few things to make it a little bit better. But it was very minimal that I had to change. It was very impressed. <laughs> That's cool. But, yeah, it, it is all about the, the individual, the, the light fighter. And, you know, those of you righteous people out there that are preparing so that if evil arises, you're self-sufficient. You're not waiting on someone to come and clean up the mess afterwards. You're there, ready to go, and do what it needs to be. Making life happen instead of allowing life to happen to you. I I don't know. Is it uh, Sun Tzu that that said, um, I would rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in war? I I hope that is Sun Tzu. Um, If it isn't, I love that quote. Uh, Yeah, makes a good fortune cookie. It, It does, because... Let's let's be honest. Wouldn't you rather to have all these skills and never have to use them than to find yourself in a situation where you need these skills and you don't have them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the 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 saying of you know, um, I'd rather have a parachute and never need to use it than need to use a parachute and not have a parachute. Uh-huh. You know, being that I've jumped out of planes a fair amount of time, I, I see the logic of that. I'd rather have a gun and never need to use it. I'd rather the the uncomfortableness of putting a pistol on my waist every day 
and you know dealing with that and never have to pull it that's awesome but i have the ability i am prepared to protect me and mine at any time and anywhere and that's important we've done a lot of training this first half of the year um and what i wanted to do is continue the same vein of this conversation and uh pull some examples from some of the classes that we've done and, and, and some of the lessons learned and, and way people have grown and become better for it. We just did a, a five-day SUT class, small unit tactics class, that focused on battle drills. So we are teaching the students these different battle drills, but again, the whole point of all of that was principles of leadership. The point of our SUT classes are, yes, we're teaching interesting and neat things and maybe some, some life-saving skills, but it's basically taking people out of their comfort zone into an unfamiliar environment with difficult tasks, and then f- they need to perform. And then while doing that, uh, you know, switching out leadership roles. So one of the one of the experiences that I I saw and 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 a couple of student well a student went through was it was now the morning of day five. So they had been going pretty strong, you know, for multiple days, days and night. And I went to uh, intercept the group as they they were moving just to check up on them. And I noticed the guy who was in charge, the squad leader. Um, He certainly wasn't all there at that point. He he was a little fatigued. So then as I got them into a halt and they set up security and and I was talking to all of them, um, I just started digging for information in a tactful way, you know, without coming straight out, because I didn't really want him to know what I was doing. So as I was was talking to him, I found out that he hadn't slept for over 24 hours. I also found out that he really hasn't eaten anything for about 24 hours. So him being the guy in charge, he was taking that responsibility so seriously that it wasn't necessarily that he was micromanaging, it's just that he was making sure everything got done, making sure by hovering and, and, and by stuff. And he was afraid that, well, if I go to sleep, maybe something bad will happen. So by trying to do the right thing, by trying to make sure everything was going smooth, he was doing the wrong thing by forgetting himself. And so now, going 24 hours with virtually no sleep and virtually no food, he was feeling it physically and mentally. Uh, it wasn't so bad that I asked him a question, what's, you know, one and one, and he looked at me and said, strawberry. He wasn't quite that bad. <laughs> but um, I heard later on from one of uh, the guys in there that uh, that he got lost uh, on a simple movement, and, and he's w- very good at land nav. He just wasn't thinking clearly. Anyways, so when, when I saw this and I found that he hadn't eaten, I said, okay, you guys, you're going down to a long halt. And I told him, put your guys into security positions. And then uh, you are going to eat something, and then you are going to take a nap. And he kind of fought that a little bit, but he reluctantly did what I had requested. He uh, ate part of a meal, and then he almost immediately passed out after that. And then that's when I got up and left. I was staying there because he was kind of fighting it, and I think he was expecting me to leave so he could continue to, to go on that same path and then you know, further deteriorate and not knowing him. You know, what was going on, um, but I, I stayed there until he finally did eat something, and then he he uh, fell asleep, and uh, I think we let him sleep for about an hour before we got him up to, to continue on with what they're doing, and a couple of the uh, other guys who are 
with him at that group said it was amazing the difference between you know night and day before he got a little bit of sleep and something in his belly and then after and he was very competent you know the rest of that day um, as we went through the rest of the training but that that kind of an experience um, that you you can't have in, in, in other locations uh, you, you can't have it in that kind of environment so the value that he learned as a leader um, through that experience was is, you can't even put it out to it. How do you recreate that? Yeah. You know, and that, that's one of the keeping our training as realistic as possible. We try and cram so much into so little time because you have to. I mean, mm-hmm. who has two weeks to take off of work and away from family and, and go out to, to training? So we split up the, the SUT into the, you know, the movement piece and then into the battle drills in order to allow people to have that flexibility. Uh, but you can't recreate it. No. And it, there, are, there are other places out there that it's that, that fantasy camp where it's a glorified paintball airsoft match, um, but you're not really learning anything. You're you're having fun, mm-hmm. but are you gaining? And, you know, I, I say it all the time, SUT, what we need out there is we need some corporate office. You know, a bunch of people that they spend their lives going to work wearing suits and ties and and uh now they find themselves in the woods mm-hmm. and it's a completely alien environment but leadership is not and leadership is always leadership so lessons that you learn you know something simple as that individual not being able to, or not taking the moment to rest and recover and things like that those are lessons that we learn uh our very first book in the book club starship troopers there's a great part in that book where they're getting ready to do one of their their final assaults. He's now a, a platoon leader, and um, they tell him to put his guys down and, oh, you need to sleep too. And he's like, oh, that's okay. I'll, I'll do it the next time. And because they're, you know, it's futuristic sci-fi, they're hypnotically uh, programmed, the commander puts him and his platoon sergeant to sleep. Well, I, I like how it's put in there too because he's put asleep. Yeah. And then he doesn't realize he wakes up, yep. and then he gets real once he realizes, he gets real upset with his his with his platoon sergeant. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and then it turns out that they were both put because, well, one that that company commander realized that hey, these guys aren't going to do it, and I need to force them to do it, just like you do with that mm-hmm. individual. Uh, the other thing is, you know, it's it's said all the time. Well, I'm never going to ask my guys to do anything that I've never done myself. You know, my my personal example of that. I was in Iraq. I was a squad, or uh, before I was a squad, there was a team leader. I was an E5. I was a sergeant. And we had crap burning detail, you know, the 55-gallon drums cut in half, mm-hmm. go fill them with some JP8, light them on fire, burn everyone's poop. Well, when it was my team's turn to do that, I would go do it with them because up to that point in my career, I had never done it. I was not going to ask my guys to um, do something I had never done. And uh, my platoon sergeant highlighted me at the end of the deployment, brought that up. It was like he learned from me as a leader and things like that. Well, I always thought it was like never ask your guys to do anything horrible that you haven't done yourself. And one of the lessons that I learned from this, this last SUT class is don't ask your guys to sleep if you're not willing to sleep. Don't ask your guys to accept your security if you're not willing to accept their security. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I took... I took that lesson away. I mean, here I am, you know, 20-year veteran, uh, Green Beret, and I'm still learning things, which is amazing. I absolutely love it. I, I'm so thrilled that, that we have this opportunity. We have to be able to trust one another. 
we have to be able to understand our role in whatever environment we're in. And it's it's an amazing opportunity that we have. I guarantee you he's a better husband, a better father, and he, he's in construction. He, you know, manages and runs some some you know pretty large construction firm. He he's better there at his job because of that experience. Yeah. I mean you can't you can't replicate these things. You can't do it in a, a video game. You know, you can't, you know, um, being hot, tired, cold, hungry, wet, dry, you, you have to experience it. Mm-hmm. And those environmentals, the way they affect us in our decision-making process, we learn so much about ourselves. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Going back earlier to, to Nick Rowe and, and, and to Sear, that was the greatest military school I've ever been at. I don't want to do it again, uh, but I learned so well, much. Well, you had more. a really, really – you had an extra bad experience. Uh, well, I don't know about that, but I, <laughs> I, I'm very grateful for it. Learned yeah. a lot. Learned a lot about myself um, through selection, and I'd say specifically selection and Sears School. I learned that I'm a lot harder than I actually thought I was, and I think that's with – with today's world, uh, we, we are much harder, but we're just... We're never pushed. Yeah. We, we are never asked to suffer to our capabilities. Uh, we're never truly tested. And, you know, you, you mentioned selection. I went to selection. I had redeployed, come back from Iraq. Uh, my unit went on block leave, and I went to selection. It was like a couple weeks that, that I had in between. I hadn't done cardio. I had worked out with, you know... Ammo cans full of uh, concrete. That was that was what we did: yeah. push-ups and sit-ups. And uh, I remember being in selection, having some serious like doubts about my body and its ability to perform. I was twenty-six years old. Um, You're an old man. Yeah, I know. I you, yeah, I can't even imagine going to selection like when you were what thirty-four or something like that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I remember that because my mind was strong and I was mentally prepared and I had that motivation uh, that I was able to push past uh, any of the physical requirements and be able to accomplish whatever that mission was. And I saw it in myself and I saw it in other people that I was there with. I had a a guy that was on my little trek team that um, his feet on our first break that we took he took his socks off, and they were covered in blood because his, in his wisdom or lack of wisdom, he showed up to selection with brand-new boots. They weren't broken in. But that man was hard mentally. His feet had failed him. His feet were raw. They looked like hamburger. And this is like mile five of the trek. <laughs> and he stayed with us the next two days Ooh. and did everything. Didn't quit. The man was mentally strong and was able to push his body through uh, the pain. And I, you're right. I learned a lot about myself and my capabilities, but also human beings and their capabilities yeah. to endure in, in selection. You know, really, uh, the, the time when we could be complacent, the times when we could, you know, just sit around and watch movies, television, those times, if they ever actually existed, uh, they're, they're, they're long gone. Um, 
now's the time that you need to go out and you need to experience things for yourself. You, you need these kind of experiences for your own personal growth. Um, you need to get out there. The only thing you really have is time. And once it's used up, it, it's gone. You'll never get that back. Well, and by doing things, then you have a, a greater ability to relate to experiences. My Sears school experience, it's three weeks long. I didn't spend five years in a Vietnamese POW camp. Yeah. But in my small experience, I was better able to relate and understand the lessons of five years to freedom. Uh, my daughter, she was in a terrible traffic accident. And, you know, she has had that that suffering from it. Because of that experience, she was able to relate to some suffering better. If we just send, spend our lives not doing anything, what do we have personally to relate things to? You know, if we've never had any kind of tragedies or sufferings or anything like that, then we're just in this gray mist of existence. We, you know, you, you can't tell the sweet without tasting the bitter, mm-hmm. you know. And so we have to get out there and we have to seek, seek adventure. I know that we kind of we jump down SUT here a lot. Uh, talking about some of our other training that, that we've had th- this year. I know we've done some agency stuff um, and seeing the different uh, organizations and the, the growing pains that they've had in, in their, their training process. Uh, one of the, the uh, groups that we're working with, they're trying to establish who they are and, and get their identity. And that's one of the problems is they don't know who really they are. And so it's kind of hard. You can do all the great training, um, but if you don't have that, why am I doing that? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is my goal in, in that? Um, there's always value, but there could be more value if you have that mission statement. If you know why and what your purpose is. Do I want to be a better pistol shooter? Do I want to be a better rifle shooter? Do I want to be better at uh, protecting my family? When you have those kind of goals in mind, it definitely focuses your training. You know, if I just really enjoy breaking the trigger, okay, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy this class, but am I going to take everything away from it? Where if I show up at a class and my, my goal behind the class is to be a better protector of my family, I'm more motivated to learn those drills and to to carry on with that and to do the dry fire on my own and, and do all the practices that are, are necessary. You know, you brought up the agency training. One of the things that has been very rewarding working with them and now working with this particular one uh, multiple times is that they all come from a slightly different background and with different different levels of experience. So it's been nice working with them and helping them all get on the same page. So they're all speaking the same language. They're all starting to become unified and, and, and in sync with each other. And that has been you know, extremely rewarding in, in doing that. And that's something that, you know, is, a, again, a powerful lesson for, for everyone, for, for all of us involved. And, and that's you as an individual, that light fighter, as we like to keep throwing out there, uh, after you've progressed to level where you can put holes on paper where you want to, or you can accomplish whatever task, the next thing after you become independent um, is now you 
need to start working with, with other people, with your family, with your spouse, with your children, with your friends. So then start including them in that plan so that you're all unified. So if there is a home invasion or if there is a car accident or if there is a, a natural disaster, if there is a fire in your house, uh, whatever the case may be, uh, or something goes wrong at, at your house of worship, um, instead of running around and, and everyone trying to do their own thing, as you work together, plan together, train together, then now when that moment arrives, you're, you're in sync. You've and you built can, that capacity. You, you've, you can support each other. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's really um, rewarding for, for me, I think for all of us, to, to see this, uh, this organization gel and, and really start to, to work together. Uh, some of the last problems that we threw at them were, uh, were pretty crazy, uh, especially when they came to the one house and, my gosh, I forgot how many role players we had there, but at least twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was packed. Yeah, and I know they they expected something, but they didn't quite expect that. So, you know, again, asking that rhetorical question: Why do we do what we do? Uh, why are we not just a a shooting company? Um, because we're really trying people to be as as well rounded as they possibly can. Um, so they can cover all those bases. It's really cool to see guys come to a shooting class and they're really getting good on their gun, whether it's pistol, rifle, or both. And then they show up to a food storage class. And then they show up to a comm class. And and, and then they show up to, to land nav. You know, here well, I'm, I'm, well, one of my favorite things is when we're doing another thing, you know, like SUT, mm-hmm. and one of the takeaways is I need to take a land nav class. Yeah. Because they're recognizing the the shortcomings in themselves. And here, you and I both, we we put our heads together all the time. How can we fill these holes? How can we give our light fighters out there, give you guys access to this training so that you can gain these skills so that you can be better? You can be the greatest shooter. And I've had this experience. I had a uh, individual who's attached to my team. He was an Intel guy, and, you know, as the 18 Fox, I'm the Intel guy. He was a support kid. He was a national match um, long range shooter, like from the time he was in high school. The kid could shoot long range, probably better than anyone else on the team. <laughs> and this little E4, you know, all he wanted to do was talk about long range shooting, sniper systems you know, dialing in his dope, all that stuff. And it was good to talk to him about that. And he would be like, oh, you, you should take me out on this 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 operation, you know, special reconnaissance. You might need a long-range shooter. And I had to say, you know what? You could probably spot for me, and I could break that trigger cleaner than anyone else here. But you can't do everything getting to the X. So you're worthless to me. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? That guy over there, that guy over there, any guy in this room can do everything to get us to the X. And I can spot, or he can spot. And we both can break the trigger clean. We may not hit him in the left eyeball, but we're going to hit him in the face. You need to be able to do everything. Or you're worthless to me. You know, you're not, you can't just be a scalpel. We need the whole Leatherman. We need all, we need the pliers, we need the scissors, we need the saw, we need everything. And uh, that's one of the things that I love about this company is we're trying to do that. We're trying to give 
access to all these training. And I love it when we have people show up to a food storage class. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like the light bulb has gone on. Hey, I might need to uh, have an extra few cans of beans. What's the best way to have those few cans of beans? Absolutely. You know, uh, the, the survival. And this past year, you know, now – at least Pennsylvania is completely opened up as of this podcast. Um, so with this last year's shenanigans, on more than one occasion, somebody who loves the shooting classes has emailed us to say, paraphrasing, thank you. Who would have thought, out of all the training I've had from you and other people, all the shooting and you know, and, and X, Y, and Z, it was going to that food storage classes, the one that's the most a- applicable and the one that I've, I've, I've used more than than I would have ever imagined. And, and being well-rounded, we never know what it's going to be. Yeah. We don't know that a tomorrow we're going to have, you know, massive flooding. So doing my evacuation plan and doing my route analysis and my, uh, you know, um, area recon, my area study turns out to be so important because now my family knows, you know, where the floodplains are and we know how to evacuate and all that. We don't know that that might be what the future holds or someone could break into my house tonight and before because you know i'm a heavy sleeper my 16 year old daughter has to take care of the business because (laughs) she's been through our basic class and she knows that the mmp that i let her take the class with Uh she has now claimed it she's like that's my gun and i was like well it's gonna still live here because you know i still have to be a responsible parent uh and she's like oh i'm responsible and i'm like i I agree. I, you are responsible. You, but I can't trust everyone. So yeah. we're gonna, you know. But she knows where it's at, and I'm fully confident in her yeah. abilities to use yeah. it. Yeah, that kind of stuff. That's that. That's awesome. I think one of the uh, more fun or cooler experiences. I don't know if I've related here on the podcast or not. Was um, actually when Abby, she does those four women classes. She does the um, choosing the right pistol. She does um, EDC. Then also she does a live fire class where it's just safety and everything, and, and we bring all the firearms, we bring all the ammunition, and and the women, it's just for women, um, they get to try a lot of stuff. So the class is almost over, and I'm hanging out outside because we're teaching the class afterwards, and uh, one of the women taking the class, her husband had showed up. So he and I were kind of talking a little bit. So this woman who her husband has tried to take her to shoot a couple times, and she's always kind of fought. She's been, for whatever reason, maybe nervous, maybe not, but just very uh, anti or hasn't wanted to do it. Um, she attended the class, and he was very concerned about her attitude and very concerned about you know, how she felt about it. So she comes walking out of the classroom, and he asked her, um, and you could sense he's very, very nervous because he's hoping this would be a good experience. And he said, uh, how was the class? And without skipping a beat, with a very self-assured now, she's like, we need to buy me a Glock. I think I need a Glock 19. And all of a sudden, he lit up, had the world's worst poker face. <laughs> he lit up, and then he tried to cover it up. And he's like, oh, yeah, we'll, um, uh, we'll have to uh, t- uh, talk about that. We'll, you know, we'll see. But inside, you can tell he's like, I can't believe it. She doesn't, she doesn't like guns. She doesn't want a gun. Now she knows specifically what she wants. She wants a Glock 19. And uh, that, yeah, that's, that's great, that, that giving that experience. Now there's some empowerment, and there's confidence. And now 
I'm sure after that class, they got a Glock 19, and now she's better prepared and armed because of it. And such a better experience than walking into the gun store and being, oh, this is on pink. Yeah. Or you should have this revolver because, you know, it's not going to fail you, and you can carry it in your Uh purse. And then you're a girl. and Yeah. 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 You can't handle anything other than, uh, you know, this. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I hate that. Um, You know, so much of it is taking away the fear of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a chainsaw because, you know, I might need to clear brush and things around my house. And when I first got a chance, I was like, I'm a man. Totally know how to use this. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, I am also looked after and uh, taken care of, and I didn't hurt myself, but there are many opportunities I could have. I was like, you know, I've actually got a really powerful thing here. I should probably go take a class. And uh, an individual that I went to church with at the time, uh, he was a former smoke jumper and did forestry service and that guy could run a saw. So I went over to his house and I learned how to run a saw. I am so much better prepared and more confident <laughs> in my ability. Uh, just prior to me getting sick, um, I actually climbed a tree and was up in this tree lopping off limbs. And, uh, you know, my wife is over there in the corner looking out of the corner like, don't kill yourself, Chris. Don't kill yourself. But because I had taken the training and I knew how to use the equipment and I knew what I was doing and I was doing it safely, I had all the confidence to do something that from the outside perspective seemed very, very dangerous. In actuality, it was very, very safe uh, because I had the education. And, you know, so much we have people that are afraid of firearms because it's like that chainsaw. It's a powerful thing. But once you learn how to use it properly and you learn how to use it safely, the, the mystery is gone and uh, you can protect yourself with it. Absolutely. So we've had a pretty good, I think, first half of the year. Um, we've done it's a been lot. A great year. A lot, lot of training. Spent a lot of time with with you guys listening, and uh, it's it's a privilege to do so. I am really excited for what we have this last half of the year with uh, some of the different unique st- uh, types of training and classes. But I think one thing that I'm most excited for is the upcoming uh, LTAC uh, Pennsylvania Light Fighter Challenge. That's going to be on October 9th. And everything that we've been talking about, about getting that experience, about testing yourself, pushing yourself, we tried and we're trying to encompass all of that in this this one-day event. Uh, We just don't do hard things anymore. So this is an opportunity for you to do something hard, to push yourself, and to get out out of your comfort zone. And to assess yourself. Yes. You know, it's like you and I were discussing about, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the territory and how to set up the land nav lanes. And... People are going to come to this class or to this event who may or may not know how to do land nav. And that is going to be something that they will then be able to recognize. Hey, I have a hole that I need to fill. Yeah. Um, There's going to be some fun things there. You know, throwing tomahawks. Uh, Do I need to know how to throw a tomahawk? Absolutely. That's the American Edge weapon. That's right. If, if you don't know how to throw a tomahawk, you should be watching some some videos and and learning and get some and practice in the backyard. Uh, it's it's your your cultural heritage that you need to, as an American, you need to have. If you don't have a tomahawk, well, highly recommend Mossy Forge. That's right. Okay, um, get one. You know it, it's your heritage. So the way that this is going to be laid out. Uh, you can come, you can camp on site the night before and be ready in the morning, or we're going to be meeting people uh, at, a, at a Walmart 
early, early that morning, and we're going to travel to the location. Uh, you're going to need a backpack or a rucksack, whatever you want to call it, and you're going to have to carry a minimum. A Bergen. A Ber- Put that one out there. If you're cultured individuals. Yes, Bergen. Yeah. So you're going to need to have at least 35 pounds, and and that's okay if you don't have 35 pounds uh, of weight. We'll have plenty of rocks to to help you out. So you need to have at least 35 pounds of weight. Or I'll put a big rock in your rock. (laughs) Not including uh, your water, so whatever water you're carrying with you. And everyone's going to start, and you have an eight-mile walk, a ruck, that you're going to do. At the conclusion of those eight miles... Then you're going to start a two-mile loop where we're going to have all these different stations and challenges like, like Chris talked about. So we will have a, a small uh, shooting section. Uh, you're only, you need to bring your rifle with you, and it's only 20 rounds is total for that stage. And that's um, the only ammunition that you need to bring. There's also going to be a black powder station. Like Chris said, there's going to be an, um, an axe throwing. There's going to be a med station where you're going to have to apply a tourniquet on one of your arms and then perform a task. Uh, there's going to be a comms section, land nav, and others. Some stuff that we want to keep uh, keep secret and surprise you. But it's going to be a good time and a fun time. It's going to be everything done as an individual, so it's just you pushing yourself, but there's nothing wrong with coming with a group of friends and all encouraging each other. You should. Go. You should come with yeah. a group of friends because competition amongst our friends really puts that stressor on. This is a test. This is a time for you guys to come and challenge yourselves. It's a light fighter challenge. See how you stack up to the, the role of a light fighter. It is going to be a good time. Cannot wait. It's something I actually have been wanting to run for for a couple of years and just couldn't find uh, the right spot or the right property, and and this one's it. So that's one of the, the biggest things we we have to look forward to uh, this year. And as this whole podcast has been about, you know, that light fighter challenge that's that's to help promote that that liberty, that independence, that freedom. And um, you know, it's your opportunity to come out and see where you stack up. Uh, we need that. We need to constantly be assessing ourselves and seeing what we need to improve on. Because if our metric for success is, oh, I shot really, really slow and I have a really, really tight group and I did it from five meters, what are you really stressing yourself? What are you really testing? So this is an opportunity to really test all of those skills and see how you stack up against what you think you are and what your abilities are, and others. Like I said, bring a group. Mm-hmm. Have, bring your buddies that you you know train with, that you work with, and see how you stack up. Right now, I, I, I know of some groups that are coming out, mm-hmm. some groups of friends, uh, some from, uh, I think, Colorado, some from Indiana, and, 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 and others. So it's going to be a lot of people. It's going to be lots of fun. And I'm going to say right now, um, sign up quickly. Yeah, uh, it blew me away. That went live what two weeks ago. Yeah, and we're almost halfway yes. full. Yeah, so if if this is even one of those things that you're, oh maybe, don't hesitate. Take this opportunity and come out and and assess, assess. We're going to be having prizes for the winners. We're going to be basing the, um, we're going to be grading on overall time as well as uh, success at the different stations. So the first prize is going to be the LTAC light fighter rifle which uh we are all contributing and, and building to 
to make the ultimate uh, light fighter rifle according to, to what we want. So that's going to be the first prize. Mossy Forge, who also helps sponsor our podcast. Uh, Mossy Forge is also, he's going to be there, and he's also going to be giving away some of his axes as well as UW gear. Is going to be sending one of the rigs, um, chest rigs, as, as well as other prizes and things, plus swag. We're going to have uh, dedicated shirts and, and other stuff. It's, it's, it's going to be a good time. Cannot wait to see you out there in the woods. I think that's that's about what we've got for this podcast. Thank you. Uh, it's a privilege talking to you. And uh, you guys stay safe. We'll see you next time. When you say American, you're talking about all kinds of people from all over the earth. We live under one flag, but we have the right to see things and express ideas each in our own way. That's why we set it up. That's what our revolution was all about. And the heart of those ideals rings in a single sentence of Thomas Jefferson's. I don't know how anybody could say it better. I have sworn upon the altar of God eternal hostility against every form of tyranny over the mind of man.